I'm just gonna get right onto it. Screw the whole intro stuff. This song has already got me hype. This is 1991, The Giver. Well, everyone, we're hitting milestones once again. The last episode we had marked my one-year anniversary, and this one is now the 50th episode. It's kind of a big deal, just a little bit. I don't know, but I was thinking, you know, what movie can I do for the 50th? Which one? You know, there's always... I don't like to plan things out way too in advance because a lot of times you make promises you can't keep, and I've done that, I think, a couple times here and there. But this time I was like, you know, what, what, what movie can I do? And then it dawned to me. And I accidentally fell upon this theme while I was looking for music on YouTube. Which, you know, I, sounds kind of caveman style even though I do have Spotify. But I fell upon this theme. And I was like, oh man, The Giver, what a freaking great movie. Then the light bulb went off. I need to do this movie. There's no way in hell that I'm not going to do The Giver. It, it, it is one of those those underrated you know i'm gonna say the whole thing i'm not gonna say the movie's completely underrated i'm gonna say that the character is underrated underrated in anime underrated in manga underrated in the united states and maybe maybe in general of superheroes the guyver does not get the credit that it deserves it to me is one of the the superheroes that just like ah oh, well it's one of those and mostly because of the movies that came out with it now the original Guyver movie came out in 1991 and i do feel like it was direct to video i don't remember ever reading about a theatrical release nor did i ever see trailers anywhere uh, uh for this movie at all growing up i do remember watching it for the first time on showtime i somehow accidentally stumbled upon it during the day and I caught it right at the transformation scene where our main character, Sean, turns into the Giver for the first time. And it blew my mind. I didn't know what the hell I was watching. This may happen may around the same time that the Power Rangers were coming out. But, you know, there's a time gap between both of them because the Giver came out in 91 and the Power Rangers came out in, like, what, 93? But who knows? I can't really pinpoint an actual year that I saw this. I just remember I was amazed by it and if you followed this podcast before you do know that i love transformation scenes i love weird shit and that was everything that i was looking for so naturally i went out and to blockbuster and i rented it because i needed to keep seeing this movie you know and then somewhere down the line i remember us buying the the vhs from one of these mom and pop video stores now a lot of times it was really sad to see some of these go out of business but then they would always have these awesome you know we're going out of business sales and you would get like a whole bunch of movies for basically like five or six bucks and that was one of them that i picked up along with freaked from 1993 which is just uh horrible and awesome right at the same time i may want to do freaked somewhere down this timeline of slash vision but right now we're talking about the guyver and here's the thing about the guyver that's going to get everybody if, if you after this episode and you go out and you decide to google this movie just remember mark hamill is in it luke skywalker the, the joker from the batman animated series you know yeah he's in it but the cover will mislead you like nobody's business 
because his name is right on top. He gets top billing, which rightfully so, because there really isn't too many big stars in this. But it alludes to the fact that he is the Giver. He is the man behind the suit, and that is a complete lie. That is a complete lie. He is just a CIA agent in this, and uh, I, I don't know why they thought so, but, you know, I'm not going to say I don't know why, because they had to get people in. They're like, oh, wait a minute, that's Luke Skywalker. He's about to wear some sort of alien suit. And then you get into the movie and find out that he's just a, uh, a CIA agent trying to stop the evil Kronos organization. Now, before I get started and rattling off all these names and corporation t titles, let's get into the disclaimer that happens at the beginning of the movie. Because if you were never a fan of the Giver ahead of time, which, you know, it's 91, we don't really have access to the internet, Google, all that other stuff. All we had was a freaking card catalog at the library, and that doesn't tell you everything that you wanted to know about pop culture, especially anything across seas. So if you're very unfamiliar with the Giver, then here is the, the, the intro, the title scroll, much like Star Wars. At the beginning of time, aliens came to the Earth to create the ultimate organic weapon. They created mankind. By planting a special gene into man, they created the Zoonoids, humans who can change at will into super monster soldiers. Eons later, the Zoonoid leader, called the Zoolord, has awakened and formed the Kronos Corporation to further develop the Zoonoid technology for world domination. Among the alien remains was found the unit, a bio-boosted alien armor. Worn by the aliens, it serves as an ordinary shield. If the wearer is human, it increases his natural powers a hundredfold. He becomes the Giver. But how to activate it remains a mystery. Dr. Tetsu Sagawa, a research scientist at Kronos, senses danger if this unit is activated by the Zoa Lord. Now the doctor has stolen it and is on the run. After that intro, you get the gist of the story. Plain and simple. And before we get into it, every time I try to tell somebody about this movie and I say The Giver, maybe I say it just a little bit too fast, but they all want to make the same stupid joke. Oh, you talking about MacGyver, the guy that can make grenades out of paper clips and rubber bands? No, that's not what I'm talking about. It is The Giver, two separate words, T-H-E, with a little pause, G-U-Y-V-E-R. Good Lord, I almost misspelled that. I don't even know why. I just felt like, okay, I, I might as well just keep on going. Thank God I'm not or was never part of the spelling bee. Anyways, but after hearing the intro, you'll know more or less when I start off rattling things out like Zoonoids or Kronos. You, you'll get the general idea. And when you watch this movie, now I had way too much fun watching it as a child. I bought this in every different version of media that you can think of, VHS, DVD. I even bought the Blu-ray from overseas and the Arrow Video Blu-ray. So, to say I'm a fan, okay, yeah, of the movie. Now, I never saw the anime or read the comic books, the, you know, mangas or mangas or whatever you want to call them. I'm pretty sure I'm offending everybody who is a humongous fan of that. Um, I'm not great at pronunciations. Anyways... I haven't really seen too many of those. I saw the cartoons, but more to me, since I saw the movie first, eh, you know, I would sway more towards the live action film. 
Sorry. Shoot me. But anyways, when you do watch this, you are not going to realize that it was a direct-to-video movie. This looks like a theatrical release. This looks like it was made more... It was made for more than the $3 million budget that it had. And a lot of the credit goes to directors Screaming Matt George and Steve Wang. Both of them worked on the special effects for uh, the Predator. The, uh, I'm sorry, the first Predator movie. Reanimator. You know, a lot of different things. And, you know, this was their first time directing anything. So you got to come just a little bit of slack, but you know that they put their all into it. You look at the movie and you're like, wow, these special effects are just way too good, way too crazy to be 1991. Now let's get to meet some of our characters. I'm not going to rattle off all of them because they're actually quite a bit. Uh, I feel like they just walked into like this convention and said, hey, you, you, you and you, let's just go to, you know, let's film a movie. There's way too many B-movie stars in this to, to name. But I'm going to shoot off a few. And that sounds really bad, but I'm going to shoot off a few and uh, we'll go from there. So, obviously Mark Hamill is our main star. I'm not going to say he's the main character. He's just our main star because he's plastered on everything, as I said a little while ago. And he plays CIA agent Max Reed. Now, when you think of CIA agent or anything in these hard-edged movies, you're automatically going to know that he's probably got a cigarette somewhere in this movie. He's not dressed like the rest of the agents. He, he dresses like a bum and he's got a five o'clock shadow. The old cliche. Every time there's some sort of renegade cop, they're, they're always the same. It's kind of like Cobra Stallone. Remember, he, the dude just had... You know, his sunglasses and his five o'clock shadow and and somehow he cut his pizza with scissors for I don't know what reason ate it that way. Anyways, when you think of renegade cops or some sort of law enforcement person, that's the cliche look that they're given. But Mark Hamill took it a little bit of a step further and hired a ferret to sit on top of his lip. Jesus Christ, that mustache is something. And the reason I say a ferret, because it really does look like a ferret sitting on top of his lip. He looks like Jeff Foxworthy. And uh, I'm probably dating myself with that joke. But anyways, that's where he is at at the moment. He's trying to catch everyone. He's trying to catch Kronos. He's trying to stop the whole thing from happening. And to be honest, I'm going to ruin the little bit of the movie. He turns into a freaking cockroach later on. A cockroach. Think about that. And his transformation is really different. But you know what? To me, it feels like a, a, a circle of life type of thing because Screaming Mad George worked on Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And the reason I bring that up is because we all remember that cockroach scene when that chick who's all, you know, this fitness person and Freddy shows up, turns her into a roach and smashes her. So to me, like I said, this is like a full circle type of thing for Screaming Mad George because he worked on that scene and to see Mark Hamill turn into a giant roach is weird. His acting was way too good for this movie and a little too much. If you were to go back and watch some of these scenes because the Giver, the, the first Giver movie is very, very hard to find streaming. Um probably for some of you guys who download torrents or whatever you know have at it but 
to find it legally, it's hard. Unless you're going to buy the physical media, which is on Amazon. Now, in that Star Wars style intro that I played for you guys a little while ago, you heard the name Dr. Sagawa. Well, his daughter is played by Vivian Wu. Now, I don't really don't remember her from much of anything other than playing Mitsu on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Jesus Christ, does this show always have to go back to the damn turtles? I, I feel like they're a blessing and a curse. But let's keep moving along. We do have B-movie screen queen Linnea Quigley shows up for just like less than what a minute but has the most longest obnoxious scream I've ever heard in my life to where you're like all right we get it you're a scream queen and you scream chill out we have other B-movie actors like the original Hills Have Eye alumni Michael Berryman if you don't know who that is You'll recognize him the moment you Google him uh, just by the way he looks. I'm not going to be mean about this guy. It's just uh, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. We do get a reanimator reunion between David Gale and Jeffrey Combs. Now, David Gale is going to be playing Fulton Balkus, and he is the Lord Zoonoid and the head of the Kronos Corporation. His lead scientist is Jeffrey Combs, which is... Like I said, it's a reanimator reunion. It's a little bit of a throwback. And one of the cool things I thought, uh, well, my personal opinion, was the fact that Jeffrey Combs is playing Dr. East. A uh, little bit different of a direction than he was in reanimator when he was Dr. West. The main character, Sean Barker, is played by Jack Armstrong. Now, the bad part, and I feel bad for this dude, is he's like the main character. but And our hero, he is the Giver. is just... He's not anywhere in the promotional material. They didn't even try to make this dude a big deal. Yeah, I don't even believe he's on the VHS cover, nor the DVD cover, nor the Blu-ray cover. This dude is just non-existent. Uh, even when the opening credits happen, it's Mark Hamill right at the front. And it's like, all right, guys, I get it. You, you had enough money to bag Mark Hamill. But what about your lead actor? Nobody gave a shit about him, and you know what? That came across in his acting as well. I felt like he was like, ah, you know what? Screw it. But anyways, now to my favorite character of this whole movie. And you're going to laugh because he, to me, was one of like the funniest people I've seen on in a sitcom. And I'm saying sitcom, and you're, th you're thinking, who, who, who could that be? Well... None other than Jimmy Walker, J.J. Evans from Good Times. He plays Stryker. What a great, like, character. I'm sorry. He may be annoying, but he's, a, he's like, pretty much all of the comic relief in this whole thing. He raps. Uh, when he transforms into his zoonoid form, he <laughs> turns into this gremlin looking creature and it's funny because normally when you see like reptilian style creatures whatever you want to call them mutations nobody ever has lips but they gave this dude lips uh he looked like every one of those rubber face monsters in in hollywood it's a very strange look but oh well i think the best part about his character is the fact that he's so stupid i mean every 
group of villains always needs that one idiot in there to like ruin everything. And he sure does that to perfection. Go ahead and listen to this clip. Yo, I deal with this. I've been looking high, I've been looking low for the guiding, jiving thing to show. And now this punk's become a hunk when all along he's had the song. Well, let me just tell you one thing. I'm gonna boot that thing with the guiding thing. I'm going to make you crawl and gonna make you sing. Cause I want that guiding, jiving thing. Boy, then come and get me. Now, what did you guys think? He's like better than 99% of the rappers out there. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go that far in saying it, but he's not the poet that J.J. Evans was. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love you for your skin's pure sheen, for your two sweet lips with teeth in between. Now that we've gotten past all this character work that I've done, the movie itself plays out like an anime. Now, if you, and I'm talking 80s and 90s style anime because the grittiness, the dark, the characters, uh, the scenery, everything plays itself out like one of those movies. Even to the point that, you know, if, if you've seen any of the animes from like the 80s and the 90s, there's always some guy, you know, the head of a corporation, standing in his suite from his skyscraper with his hands behind his back staring out the window looking at the town and saying his evil plans if you've seen any anime you know exactly what i'm talking about especially ones that have to deal with these big corporations this movie plays itself out like i said exactly that way from the cutscenes um to the characters to this to the 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 sets everything about anime is in this movie now, the acting, ah, it could be better. Mark Hamill's acting was a little too much. I think the man overacted, especially if you were to see him turn into a cockroach and he starts convulsing on the floor and he gives like this big death speech. Uh, God, that is, you know what? You, a lot of this movie is on YouTube in clips because it is hard to get a hold of and I really don't know why, but you cannot get this streaming. You can't find it on Voodoo, Hulu, uh, Prime Video, which I was very surprised about because Prime Video has like everything B-movie related in, in, in its uh, library. And, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a hard movie to find. I think I found the whole film on YouTube once, but it was in reverse. Uh, I don't, I'm not a tech savvy person to know if you can try to reverse that whole thing anyways it's hard to find you're better off trying to find it on on some sort of physical media maybe you can go to amazon I'm pretty sure amazon's got it but go look up that scene with uh with mark hamill and he turns into a roach you you'll be laughing for days because it's just a little too much the rest of the actors on here say, ah, you know what? Everybody's really cheesy. Everybody's really corny. And there's really nothing much to say. But the biggest deal for me, the biggest thing that bothered me was the design flaw that the Giver had. Now, he had swords coming out of his elbow. 
He had some sort of chest cannon that would open up. Great, cool stuff. But the Giver unit itself was its weakness, and it was right in the middle of this man's forehead. Nothing was covering it. Nothing was blocking it. At one point, Michael Berryman's character rips it out, and the Giver just melts. If you've seen Evil Dead 2, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The dude just disintegrates on the floor in a weird uh, claymation style thing. Why would they do that? Why would you put the weakness right out in the open without any protection? That's like that's like um, someone coming out with their heart coming out of their chest, and they're just walking around with it, and somebody slaps them in the chest, and they're, you know they're just about dead. That that's exactly the the point. Like I don't know the costume, everything looked great. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Now the the Giver looked badass, but the 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 unit on the middle of his forehead, and and that sounds a lot worse than it really is. But to me, that was the the design flaw. And I know it wasn't the movie studios that did that because in the cartoon anime, sorry, I'm not supposed to call animes cartoons because that's blasphemous. But in the anime, it's that's the way he's designed. And his little comic books, that's the way he's designed. So I get it. But the cherry on top of this whole movie is the fact that it's fun, cheesy, nostalgia, and and the special effects. If that was not... Like I said, this movie looks way better than it should. It looks... Like I said, the... the how, how do I say this? If you're going to watch this movie for anything... Watch it for the special effects. You won't be disappointed. And if you've been a listener to this show, you do know that I like sequels. That I'm very biased towards them. But when I tell you that The Giver 2 Dark Hero is a superior film, I'm really not being biased. That one is a lot easier to find streaming. Um, I think that that movie is just everything that the first movie should have been. Now, the first Giver movie is rated PG-13, and I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, you can do a lot within PG-13, and for that time period, that rating, you could have done way more than you should. How many movies were rated PG in the 80s and early 90s, and there was a lot of stuff on there that would not have flown today, or that would have not have received that low of a rating? But Giver 2, rated R, and it's basically the Power Rangers on steroids with gore the fight scenes are way better uh i'm assuming they hired a whole brand new stunt crew everything is there the special effects are still amazing the directors are still tacked in it's just a far better film overall now you're probably thinking david why didn't you talk about guyver 2 instead because i love this first movie I, I, you know, this, this, the, the Giver has a special part in my heart, and I'm not even trying to rhyme here, but it really does. It's got a little, it's got a small spot, and uh, I, I, like I said, this was a movie that I saw on Showtime way back in the day. Giver two, I actually found at the at Blockbuster once. I was like, wait a minute, there's a sequel to this. I had no choice but to get it. So. Maybe somewhere down the line, I'll do a Guyver 2 Dark Hero review. But 
I'm telling you right now, go out and seek that. That's actually free on YouTube. It's such a cool movie. There's blood everywhere. It's just... And did I mention that they replaced the actor from the first movie? The, the, the main actor, the, you know, the one I said, Jack Armstrong, Sean Barker. They replaced him with the voice of Solid Snake. Uh, if that wasn't a little bit of a cherry on top. So I'm going to try my best to link a lot of this stuff in the show's description. I know I say that a lot, but it's true. You know, so that way you guys can follow along. I will put the Mark Hamill roach transformation scene in there as well so that you guys can click on it and see exactly how over the top ridiculous but very cool looking roach that he becomes uh it's just nuts now i'm not going to keep going on about the guyver too because you know you guys need to go watch it and go watch the first one too try to find it if you are one of those people who like to download torrents, go for it. Have at it. I didn't say that, though. (laughs) Because that's not the right thing to do. But anyways, you can catch me on on my social media, and that's going to be linked in the show's description. And uh, I'll see you guys next time.